It is great to, uh, to see you all, and I hope you're having a great new year. And it was great just hearing you all sing. I was standing back there. You are a lively bunch this morning. I um, and it made me, yeah, and it made me think maybe donuts are more spiritual than I ever thought. That's that's yes. Do I have an amen? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I I'm excited uh, for this morning, and you know, as, as we think about. Um, the new year, you know, it, it's a very reflective time uh, for people. We think about, you know, the past year. Uh, we think about how we're going to move forward as Christians. We think about like, okay, what does it mean and how I'm going to move forward with my journey uh, with Christ? And I want to leverage that this morning. I, I want to leverage this kind of natural state uh, that we find ourselves in because we're a little bit more reflective and we're trying to make choices as we move forward. And I want to give you a lens for how to think about this uh, this this morning. Uh, and, and so my talk's going to be around this whole idea of remembering and forgetting, right? This is the lens that I want you to think about as you think about how you move forward this next year and, and stuff, remembering and forgetting. And it's interesting when you look through uh, scripture, uh, in a way, there's kind of this theology of remembrance and forgetfulness that we maybe don't always think about, but it's there. And, and that's what I want to look at and uh, leverage this morning. Uh, let me give you an example of this. And this starts, it's all throughout the uh, scriptures. Uh, but like in Joshua, there's this uh, moment where Joshua is leading the Israelites into the promised land. And they come to this place where they're about ready to enter into the promised land, but the Jordan River is there. And as they come up to the Jordan River, um, and kids, I want you to picture this. Like if you've ever been at a stream or a lake or someplace where there's like a bunch of water and you're standing there watching it, imagine this, right? They come up to the Jordan River and all of a sudden God, like it's a miracle. Like he starts pushing back the water on the Jordan. He holds it up on one side and lets it flow on the other side until it's like dry ground. Uh, across the Jordan River there. And it becomes this, this moment, right? As you can imagine. And all of the Israelites, they cross uh, uh, over and they get to the other side and they bring the Ark of the Covenant over. And when they get over there, God asks them to do a very interesting thing. He says uh, to Joshua, Here, here's what I want, I want you to do. I want you to make a big pile of rocks. Yeah. So if you're a kid, I want you to think about this for a moment. Why do you think God had them make a big pile of rocks? So now, turn to your mom or your dad and, and tell them why you think God made that big pile of rocks. Just take a second there, yeah. yeah. And if you're an adult, like, you can just ponder it on your own. Right? Now, um, so, uh, and kids, see if you, if you got this right. He says, I want you to do this and it's all about remembering. I, I want you to remember this moment. And you might be thinking, but like we watched water get divided and all of this stuff. Kind of like uh, the scene with the Red Sea when God first rescued the Israelites uh, way, way earlier than this. Uh, when he divided the Red Sea. And, and it's like, so why does God ask them to remember this? Why, why do you think he does that? This is not a trick question. Because they'll forget. <laughs> That's why. He says, I want you to remember this. And he says, someday, right? Someday, uh, you're going to have kids. And they're going to be walking along the Jordan. And they're going to see this big pile of rocks. And they're going to look at mom and dad and go, hey, 
what's with the big pile of rocks here, right? And then you can tell them, right? And remind them of what God did here. So kids, when you get home today, if you have like a pile of rocks anywhere around your house, make sure to ask your mom and dad why that pile of rocks is there, okay? Just, you know, pepper them with questions about that pile of rocks there. Um, uh, yeah, he, he says, I-, I want you to remember this. And he does this because God knows uh, that they're going to suffer from uh, what we might call some spiritual fogginess, right? Um, they might remember the details of it a little bit. They might remember a few things about it. But, but like the essence of it, the beauty of it, the thing that it holds, like that, we, we get foggy on that. And we can lose that. We just, we, we all suffer at different moments uh, from just like mental or spiritual fogginess at times, right? We get a little forgetful. Here, a week ago, more than a week ago, see, I'm already getting foggy on the time frame on this. Um, Angie and I went to a U of A basketball game. We were all excited and we get there and uh, someone uh, couldn't go and had given us their gracious had given us their tickets. And so we're looking for our seat. And lo and behold, uh, we see some good friends of ours and we didn't even know they were going to be there. And I was just like, oh, look, they did there. And they didn't know we were going to be there. And so we get into this conversation and we're chatting or whatever. And Steve and I were talking about like uh, getting together maybe like this coming week. And I was just like, oh, Thursday, Thursday would be a great day. We should get together. And just as I was saying uh, that, and he's like, oh, I, like I'm open on Thursday. Angie goes, that's our anniversary. <laughs> it's, I know, yeah. I was a little foggy in that moment. See, it just happens. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, spiritual fogginess happens to all of us, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it's like God's saying, okay, there are things that you really should remember and you might forget them because it happens to us uh, in this. And when we think about spiritual fogginess, there's a particular way I want you to think about this uh, here this morning. I want to give you a, a way, because this is going to frame out the rest of my talk, and it's this. Spiritual fogginess is forgetting what you need to remember and remembering what you need to forget. That's the problem we struggle with. There are these moments where there, there's something that we need to remember, but we struggle to do that. We, we, we become forgetful about it. And then other times there are things that we hold in our mind. We remember them. They, we, we can't escape them. And yet there are some of the things that we actually need to forget. So this morning, as we start off this new year and you are, you know, we're all kind of in that state of like, okay, how do I want to start off this year? What are the things that maybe I would do differently? How am I going to step into you know, my journey with God in this next year, I want you to think about what are the things that I need to remember that maybe I would easily forget? And what are some of the things that I hang on to, but I I need to find a way to let those go. I need to forget those because I promise you, you will face moments in this coming year where there'll be things that you need to remember. And there'll be things that it would help you if, if you could forget them and, and, and put them aside. So I want to walk through this here this morning. So really just two problems. So let's start with the first problem here. First problem being um, that we forget what we should remember uh, in all of this. And again, right, we all, we can all forget things easily. So think about this for you. Like what are some of the things that you maybe easily forget? Um, Maybe it's names, right? You lose names real quickly. Even like the names of your children, 
right? A different moment. Yeah, that's it, right? Kids, right? Ever a moment where mom or dad was like really excited about something and they called you by like the name of one of your brothers or sisters and you're like, come on, right? It's just, yeah, yeah. That's just, you know, you don't have to point them out right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But, you know, okay. Um, Yeah, that's probably happened to a few of you. Um, Or you forget your car keys or you just forget your car, like where you parked it. And I know this because there are some Sundays where like I'm getting ready to go and I'll see someone, they've got their key fob out and they're walking around the, and they're like trying to get it to beep. They're like, where did I park my car uh, in this, right? Uh, We forget that. Or um, have you ever walked into a room? Uh, This is, this happens to me. I'll walk into a room and then I'm like, I I don't know why I came in here. I know I walked, I walked into this room with great purpose. Don't know what it was, right? And I find I just, I've got to go walk back to the other place, get back there. And then like, oh yeah, that's what it is. And then try and hang on to it for a little longer until I get into that next room and remember why I walked in there, right? Or you forget where you put your phone, you know, or your earbuds or, or whatever it is, or you forget appointments, right? Uh, what is it that you forget? Uh, quick exercise. Let's just take, take half a minute, turn to the person next to you or around you and just like a moment of honesty and clarity and share what maybe you forget easily in your life. Go to share for a moment or two. <laughs> he can't remember what he can't remember. That's a good one. <laughs> Okay, so see, we're all on even ground here. And I'm sure there are a few of you that forgot anniversaries out there somewhere. I, I, I'm, I'm sure of that. Now, um, when we think about spiritual remembrance, um, and uh, this is uh, important, um, Spiritual remembrance, right? Remembering the right things isn't about memorizing loads of theological information. That's great, but that's, that's not what this is about. It's not about uh, memorizing lots of do's and don'ts or particular theological things or even, you know, big passages of scripture. That, that's, that's not what I'm trying to drive at here this uh, morning. Um, it, it is about the essence of those most important things about how we relate our place with God. Those are the things that you see scripture pointing out that, that he wants us to remember. It, it's a very relational thing. Let me give you an example of this. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn all the way back to the Old Testament because I, I want to look at a few things in the Old Testament. I want you to see kind of this thing about remembrance and forgetfulness as it works actually through uh, all of Scripture. So in Jeremiah chapter 50, uh, we uh, get an example of this and how this uh, works out. Um, and this is, Jeremiah writes this at a time where Israel has just fallen in a terrible state and, and so many things just seem hopeless. He says this, he says, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wander over mountain and hill and here it is, and forget their own resting place. They forget their own resting place. Now, real important, uh, uh, so much of the Bible speaks through 
imagery, very different than, than how we typically speak in our culture. And so this imagery, they, they've lost their resting place. What he's not trying, what Jeremiah is not saying is, well, they, like they went to work and they forgot where they lived, right? They just, they couldn't find their home address or something. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's pointing to is this idea, they, they've lost They've lost that resting place where their soul rests with God. They, they've, right, because that's where they belong. They're God's people. And, and it's like they've lost that sense of resting in God because it is in God that they find their salvation. It is in God that they find this deep kind of love. It is with God that their faith is infused. It's, it, this is, it is God who gives them a sense of purpose. And if you lose that resting place, then all of a sudden that sense of, am I okay? Am I, am I safe? Am, do I have purpose? All of those things right? They lose this sense of things. Um, another example of this, uh, Psalms 135, uh, he says this, uh, and again, uses imagery in this, but says this, um, for the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, right? Israel to be his treasured possession. And, and Jeremiah is talking to the Israelites here. And what he's saying is, um, you forgot your resting place. And to forget your resting place is, it's to forget that you are my treasured possession, right? And when he says treasured possession, right, he's capturing this idea that, that I, we're in a relationship and it's in me that you find what you need for life, your, your sense of purpose, right? Your sense of safety. I'm the one that rescued you, right? And, and he would, he says, that's why he wants them to remember these things in their past. Remember how I rescued you out of slavery. Remember the relationship I built with, you know, with your father, Abraham. Remember these things because that helps you remember who you are in me. Here's, here's the point. Here's the point out of this. Remember so that you can live with the ever-present thought that you belong to and are dearly loved by God. See, he wants them to carry this remembrance around and know, have the ever-present thought of what it means that I belong to and am held by God. I am at home in my soul when I hold that sense of what it means to belong to God. You know, as the pastor around here, I, uh, like, I think about so many things uh, on this. And one of these areas that is so important to me that relates to this is like with our children's ministry. I think about our kids uh, that will be a part of our children's ministry coming up through those years, those young formative years. And you know, what we want, what I want to make sure happens, that, that any child who comes up right through our children's ministry here um, is that they would come away first knowing how much Jesus loves them. That, that, that by the time they go through those years, that they know that Jesus loves them. I want them to know that Jesus is someone um, that is always with them, that they can always turn to no matter what. I want them to hold that like in a foundational way. 
and that they can always, always turn to Jesus for help. Like, and if you're a, if you're a kid here this morning, right, the thing that I would want you to know, like more than anything is that you are loved by Jesus and there is nothing you will ever face in this world that you can't trust him, right? Wouldn't you like, as a part of this church, wouldn't you, is there anything we would want more? Like if, if that is all that happened, I like, I could go to my grave someday and, and be a happy man because for that foundation, right? That's to know where you rest at home and to, and to remember that is so important. And I think about all of us, right? Uh, students, adults here this morning. You know, a great starting point, an application for all of us here, it would be to have that same foundation. Because I know that there are many of you who maybe you were raised in a home or at a church and you didn't get that foundation. Maybe you got something similar, but it had a conditional nature to it. It didn't, right? Like the thing I, I, want, I want every kid coming out of here knowing that Jesus is someone that they could trust no matter what it is that they face. And it's like you're here this morning and there's this twinge in you that you're just like, okay, but if I face that thing, I don't know that I could really, really just open my heart up in the most vulnerable way before God and feel safe. I want you to know that. And that's one of those things that we need to remember. But if you notice, we can go through things in life that want to shake that a little bit. We can go through moments that jar us or worry us or, and we can forget that essence of what that is. And so it's getting back to that place of saying, I want to get back and I want to remember that Jesus is that trustworthy. He is my salvation. He is my hope, my love. He is the source of my purpose in this world, right? So remembering, remembering what we need to remember and not forgetting it. Now, second part of this problem that I want to get to, and then I'm going to bring it all to, together in this. Um, and it's this other problem, and it's remembering what we should forget. There's this other problem, right, that sometimes we don't let go of. We, we, have the, we hold, the, hold this, and yet it's something that we should really begin to forget. Um, and I say this because over the years, I have talked with so many people who are caught in past torments, things that maybe they failed at or hurts that they experienced or things that they went through. And maybe it was in their personal life. Maybe it was something that happened in their family or at their, uh, their church or whatever it was. And they can't get past it. They hold this. Maybe it was a sin or a moral failure of some sort. And it's just like, and, and they keep, you just, you can never forget it. And it's affecting every part of your life. Now, let me say this too. What, what I'm not talking about here is this is different from experiencing the, the consequences or the regret that makes you wiser in the future about your choices. Okay. Um, there's a, we've all experienced moments where we have done something sinful or we've done something that we just regret, whether it was a, a moral issue or not. And we just said, 
I didn't like that. I didn't like how that affected my life. And then you say, so I don't want to do that anymore. That's not what I'm talking about. That, that's just being wise, right? That's another sermon for another time. That, that is a good thing. What I'm talking about is when it becomes, it, it's not just a regret. It's a kind of shame. And it's not just something about something that you did that you regret that you want to change. It becomes a judgment about yourself. That's the thing that sometimes we keep remembering and yet it's the thing that we need to forget. It keeps you from living in the present moment because you keep getting pulled back to a past moment that judges you or pulls you down. It keeps you from experiencing the joy of how great God's grace really is. See, that's a kind of self-judgment that we need to learn how to forget. It's a problem when we hold on to something that God has chosen to forget. And again, you see this in scripture as well. Um, and I, and I want to start with the Old Testament again on this one. Um, the prophet uh, Jeremiah has this amazing section in his book. In fact, you can, you can turn back to Jeremiah. And I, I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 31. Uh, because he does this foreshadowing of Christ to come. And, and he speaks about the failure of the law and why we need this other thing. It, because we need a way to let go of this. And he says this um, uh, here, let me uh, turn to it. So Jeremiah chapter 31, starting in verse 31. And he says uh, this, and he's lamenting over the failure of Israel. Israel has been pulled into bondage and slavery all over again because they failed at their journey with God. They were trying to live the Mosaic law and they failed at it. And, and here's what he, he writes. He says, uh, the days are, to come, are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. And a covenant is just a kind of relationship. It's describing how God, this chosen covenant, the way they, the nature and the way they will relate together. And he's saying, um, I, I'm gonna change the nature of this relationship because the nature of their relationship was based on this like moral law, this moral code that they failed at. It, like, it didn't work. It didn't help them. He goes on, he says, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, right? Because it failed. And I love what he says here in verse 33. Look at verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel, right? And this is the foreshadowing now. After that time declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. See, this, this is about a faith kind of relation. This is about how God will interact in our hearts. See, this is a foreshadowing of something to come. He goes on and he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. And everyone that would have heard these words or read these words would have, would have had a great context to understand this in because this is actually referring to a time when God actually offered this. And he uses this exact phrasing when he offers this to the Israelites, when he first rescues them out of Egypt. He wants to have a more personal relationship with them of this kind of nature. And you know who says, mm, no, we don't want that. We want something a little bit more clear, a little, uh, something a little bit more structured. You know who wants that? The people do. 
And what they don't want is this kind of faith-oriented relationship. But it doesn't work. The thing that they wanted doesn't work. And now Jeremiah says, but God hasn't given up on people. God's still going to, he's going to like grow us up. He's going to nurture his people. He's going to bring us to the point where we will have that kind of relationship. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. Turn to the book of Hebrews. I want you to see this. Um, To Hebrews. Uh, because the author of Hebrews speaks on this same thing. And this is Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 15, says this. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. Sound familiar? Yeah. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. See, this is written after Jesus has come and has now made this a real possibility. I love verse 17. Look, look, verse 17 says, then he adds, verse 17, then he adds their sins and their lawless acts. Pause it for just a second. Their sins and their lawless acts. That's my sins, my lawless acts. That's your sins, your failures. My failure, right? Because we've, we've all failed at different moments. We've, we've all, right? Because we're human. We've all struggled with that. Now, before I read the next part, I, I, I want to I read this verse again to you and finish it out. But as I do that, I want to do something different here. I, I want you to take this verse in, in a way, just, I, I want it to just settle into your soul. Let it rest in your soul. Let it become something that you, that you remember but remember it as an essence of how you relate to God. So before I read this next one, I I want you to just, just pause for a second. Maybe close your eyes and just listen to these words as I read them. And think about you and how God sees and relates to you. So let, let me just read this to you. Just breathe this passage in like, like, the way you would breathe in air and oxygen in your lungs, but breathe this into your soul. Here's what he says. Their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. Think about that. My shortcomings, my lawless acts, my sins, my moral failures. What God is saying is in this faith relationship where you just trust me to be your salvation, where you let my son Jesus Christ reside in your heart. You know what I forget about? I forget about all of those failures, all those things that you would want to judge your personhood on. All the things you would look at and just go, oh my gosh, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not secure. I've got to contend for this. I've got to... God says, I I, I forget about that. God has chosen to forget about that. So I think it's okay for you in your relationship with God to just let those go as God lets those go. Do you see? It's a problem, friends, when we're holding on to something that God has chosen to forget. 
And those moments where we want to judge ourselves, our personhood. And again, I'm not talking about a moment where you just say, man, that was a bad decision. That, that hurt other people. That's not what God wanted. I want to do. I want to live differently. That's, that's not what this is. This is about when we hold it over us as a sense of value. God forgets it. See, and I know for some of you, you're going, okay, Glenn, I get that. And I want that. But it is so hard to forget the things that just dominate my mind. That is a struggle, isn't it? It is. And so I know it's easy for me to sit here and say, so, you know, there are certain things that you need to learn how to just forget. So just forget them. And then, you know, you know, be anxiety free and be at peace. And, you know, it's just hard. It's, it doesn't work that way, does it? And Jesus knows that. And so what you see are there's moments in the New Testament where Jesus does these things and, and there's this thing, and what I'm going to call it is, and this is where it comes full circle, these things to remember that help us forget the things that we need to forget. And, and Jesus is like a master at doing this. And so I want to come full circle from, right? Remember the things that are easy to forget to forget the things that, you know, we hang on to or remember that we shouldn't. How do we do that? There are some things that we can anchor ourselves into and remember that actually help us forget what we need uh, to forget in all of this. Um, and I got to experience this firsthand uh, years ago where the, that just, it hit me in a very particular way. I want to share this with you. And then I want to look at what Jesus says uh, uh, about this. So uh, I was driving in one of our cars and I, I was by myself with my daughter Colette. And again, uh, she was like a toddler. She was in her car seat and she's asking me all of these questions. And uh, uh, she asked me the question, she goes, does God live in heaven? You know, and I've got, and I'm like, Yes. And I was just, you know, and my mind was just like, well, is this the time to explain the ever presence of God? You know, the omniscient and omnipresent nature of God. I'm like, no, yes, God lives in heaven. She goes, huh, is it a long ways off? Well, yeah, sort of, you know, she goes, hmm. I mean, like, could we get in an airplane and go there? And I was like, no, we really can't. Like airplanes don't make it like there. Like, I mean, she's like, well, like, why not? Like, are there planes that can fly like really, really high? And then I said, okay, well, yeah, there's planes that can fly really, really high. And she says, well, can those planes make it to heaven? I said, well, no, not those planes because they can't get out of the atmosphere. And I said, you know, the atmosphere is kind of this thing around it. She goes, oh, like, so planes can't get out of the atmosphere. And then I go, well, no, but like spaceships can. Oh, so spaceships, can spaceships go to heaven? We're gonna, it's like, ah, oh, well, okay. So they can leave the atmosphere and, you know, she's like, I don't know what an atmosphere is, you know? And I'm like, well, no, they can't get there. They can't get there. She's like, oh, like, well, then, like, what do angels do? Cause it, so angels can't take spaceships. I say, well, no, angels don't need spaceships. They like, they like, she goes, well, can they get to heaven? I said, well, yeah, angels can get to heaven. She goes, oh, so could an angel take us to heaven? And I was just like, I'm like, where are you coming up with all these questions, right? Well, and I'm just like, well, no, not really. She goes, well, like, what if it was a really strong angel? I said, well, no, it doesn't really work that way. Cause you know, you know, the velocity and the speed and everything. Just, and she goes, well, what if I hung on really, really tight? And I go, well, okay, no, it doesn't work. Forget all the velocity stuff that I talked about. It's just, it's just, you couldn't hang on tight enough. She's like, well, it's just like, well, can Jesus get to heaven? I go, well, yeah, Jesus can get heaven. In fact, Jesus could get us to heaven. She goes, really? 
I'm just like, finally, you know, airplanes, trains, angels, what can possibly get to heaven and outside this weird atmosphere? I'm like, well, Jesus, yes, and Jesus can get us to heaven. She's like, ah. She goes, Jesus rocks. I was just like, this is my, like, I don't know, she's like three years or old or something, or four years old. She's asking, I'm just like, Jesus rocks. I'm just like, why? She goes, well, I mean, if planes can't get to heaven and spaceships can't get to heaven, angels can't, Jesus, and he can get us to heaven, he totally rocks death. And it's just like, out of the mouth of babes, right? It's just like, and it's like, and she didn't need to understand all the theological things. Like she was thinking in concrete, picturesque ways that like you would read like an Old Testament passage, but she got what she needed to get. And it just hit me. Jesus rocks, right? That there's this beauty and wonder of Jesus. And if I remember that, right? It's like the other stuff starts to fade. And Jesus understood that. He understood we need these anchor points that, that help us remember so that we can forget what we need to forget. So there's this moment where Jesus is with his disciples and he's going to give his life up for all of humanity in the coming hours, right? And so he is at this Passover meal and they would have been going through uh, this Seder meal with all of these symbolic things and he gets to the end. And this is found in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. They kind of finish up uh, this meal and it says this in verse 19. And speaking of Jesus, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember this, he says. Do this. I want you to keep doing this. Make this something that you do on some sort of regular pattern, whatever it is, because there's something here you need to remember because it will anchor you in this. And notice, notice something really important here um, that, that often gets overlooked. He says, do this in remembrance of me, of me. What is your remembrance of me, he says. Now, uh, and this is really important because we, we live on the other side of the cross. We live on the other side of that night when he was arrested, when he allows himself uh, to uh, go to the cross and die. When he, we're, we live on the other side of the resurrection and the ascension. And we go to that place right away. And without a doubt, Jesus is going through this meal and he is foreshadowing what he's going to do through this meal. But I want you to put yourself in the, in the seat of the disciples that were there that night. And when Jesus says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me, they didn't fully understand everything that was about to transpire. That's not where their remembrance was going to go, was it? But they had three years of memories that shaped everything they needed to know, didn't they? They had three years 
of seeing Jesus save people, forgive their sins, save them from illness, save them from all kinds of things. They had three years to see his love and compassion come out. They had three years to see how much people mattered to him. They had three years to see how he infused purpose and meaning into their lives. They had three years to experience how they were held in relationship with him. I bet they had some very specific memories. And so do you. You have memories that you can look back in, right? Maybe there's a story out of the New Testament that you remember about Jesus. And I want you to think about that story. Maybe you have a memory of how Jesus did something in your life in today's world where Jesus interceded in your heart, your mind in some way. And you're just like, I remember the beauty and the wonder of that. And I want us to celebrate communion in remembrance of Jesus and anchor ourselves back to the resting place for our souls, friends. So I want you to pull this out um, and just uh, peel back that first uh, clear uh, layer and pull out that piece of bread. And I want you to just take a moment and think about what is that memory? What is that memory that you have of Jesus that is so precious? What is that? Think about that for just a moment. Now, the other thing I want you to think about, what does it mean to you? Is that memory tell you how cherished you are by God? Maybe the thing that is so significant to you is, I was saved. I was saved, right? I am, I am going to spend eternity with God in heaven. He saved me. Maybe it's the overwhelming sense of his grace and forgiveness. Maybe, maybe for you, it's that you know that no matter what you face, no matter how scary it is, you have someone you can trust. Jesus is someone trustworthy that you can turn to. See how precious this is. And Jesus says, nourish yourself. I am the bread of life. Nourish yourself on me, see? So then he looked at the disciples. He said, this is my body. Take and eat. Um, Next, in verse 20, it says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Remember that word covenant? This new kind of relationship, which is poured out for you. He, through the sacrificing of his life and his blood, would wash us clean that we might have a new kind of relationship with him. So precious. So now I want you to just open up this, the next part of this. And we remember, we remember how he poured out his life that you and I could have relationship with him through faith. And Jesus said, take a drink. Amen.
See, friends, we have something to remember. And as we remember it, it anchors us in life. And as you think about this next year, as you make plans with your family, with friends, with career, with ministry, with the things that you have to overcome, with the things that you're excited to do, make those plans, enter that journey with Christ, remembering what you need to remember and forgetting what you need to forget, okay? And let me say this, I'm going to close this out here. And as I do, let me just say, if you're here this morning, maybe Christmas was the first time you're here, um, we're, we're here. And this is like your only second time here. It is so good to have you here. Uh, maybe you've only been here a few times. It's great to have you here. Maybe you've been here a whole bunch. It's still great to have you here too. <laughs> um, uh, but if we've never had a chance to meet, uh, to meet, whether you're new or been here a long time or whatever, I'm going to be standing right over here and I would love to just shake your hand and welcome you and get to meet you uh, here this morning and uh, invite you all back to our new series that we're going to be starting next Sunday. Why don't you stand and uh, let me close this in uh, prayer here. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for what a good and beautiful God you are and for the relationship that you've invited us into having through your son, Jesus Christ. And for that, we are so grateful. And we pray that your son's spirit would be in us and through us and working um, through us in this coming year. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.